Warning, the following podcast contains adult language and childish comedy. Listener discretion is advised. And now, please adjust your headphone volume to an unreasonable level and enjoy the most dynamic and electrifyingly entertaining podcast ever to conquer cyberspace. Hello, friends, and welcome to the most powerful podcast ever created, the amazing pop culture podcast starring Dags and Rez. Today, as always, another powerful episode. We are really excited to bring it to you. And now somewhere deep in the frozen tundra of Minnesota is DJ Micah Rez. Hey, what's up, Dags? What's up, friends? Just hanging out, trying to uh, freeze and then thaw and then freeze again. And uh, such is life in January in Minnesota. It is a cycle. It sucks. That's why we, I always joke that we live long in Minnesota because we're uh, frozen half the year. Yeah, I'm telling you, it's, uh, we're caught in this polar vortex thing again, which I hate that term. I don't know why. It just drives me crazy. Yes. There's too many names. Everything's named now, weather patterns and moons. Back in my day, we just had one moon. Now there's wolf moons and blue moons and pink moons. Yes. Purple stars. Harvest moons. Yes. Purple clovers. (laughs) Hello, friends. Welcome. Great show today. We're going to be talking about the movie Don't Look Up. I picked a powerful song of the day. We're going to reminisce. We're going to to talk. We're going to reflect. There's been a lot of people passing recently, pop culture icons, and I thought we should talk about that. So, Mike or DJ Rez, sadly, Louie Anderson has passed. Yeah. It was that that was that one kind of got me so it was kind of odd so after we heard about one of the other passings yesterday which we'll get to in a little bit but um i saw a tweet from paulie shore about him saying uh his goodbyes to louis anderson i immediately screenshotted that and sent that to a buddy of mine and said well this one might be next and this one's really gonna suck and then two hours later the news came out that louis anderson had passed and he is a native of not only Minnesota Dags, but of St. Paul. Yes. Which is my lovely hometown. Yes. Uh, and he's, he grew up on the east side. He was a proud east sider. And if you talk to anybody who grew up in St. Paul, they are proud of the neighborhood they grew up in. I grew up on the west side. And I, I will defend that neighborhood till the day I die. But Louis Anderson uh, was an east sider. And he got his start as a counselor for kids actually and then ended up at a uh like an open mic night hosted by the one and only henny youngman and that's how his career started it was kind of kind of crazy went to johnson high school yeah yeah the high school i've been to quite a bit so doing some you know radio things here and there so it's kind of kind of funny to see or to know that i i walked some of the same hallways as louis anderson did he uh it, I think because he's from here and we, we've known about him for so long, since the 80s, um, one of the stories I read is that he got his, his huge uh, national notoriety in 1999 when he hosted Family Feud for a little bit. But he had been in some movies before that, and he was always around here in Minnesota. So 
we always knew him as Louis Anderson, the comedy genius that he was. Well, I'm going to back you up because yeah. his claim to fame, his TV debut was in what year? Guess. Uh, 1984. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> that is the year the world peaked. If you're a fan of this show, you know that. We're Correct. powerfully retro, powerfully 80 experts. Rodney Dangerfield's Young Comedian special on HBO, 1984. Yeah, Rodney Dangerfield's Young Comedians, which I don't remember. I remember Rodney Dangerfield hosting some some shows. That must have been it. But I don't. I can't remember who else was on that show. I just remember that was his his show, man. Yeah, back then it was home box office. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Not <laughs> not everyone had HBO back then. That was kind of a big deal. It was. We, I think we always had it during the free trials, <laughs> 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 which you get excited about still when you get Cinemax. Yes. So. But then in uh, later in 1984, he made his giant, giant big debut on The Tonight Show. Correct. And that's what put him on the map. Yeah. And uh, I didn't know this, but he was the original, on the original cast as uh, Lou Appleton with Bronson Pinchot in perfect strangers he was in the um in the pilot episode and when abc picked it up they actually replaced him uh with mark lynn baker and changed <laughs> his name to larry yes oh, Kuzin, would, Kuzin that would have been a weird <laughs> yeah that would have been a weird uh weird dynamic on the show would have changed the show quite a bit if louis anderson was <laughs> on perfect strangers yeah i'm trying to uh picture that right now <laughs> i think they made the right choice I think they did too. I just I didn't know that part of Louis Anderson's career till uh till yesterday. Yeah. It's kind of weird when you look back at shows that you know people other people tried out for and didn't work or or they turned it down. Apparently uh OJ Simpson was supposed to be the terminator. Are you serious? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. That would that would have changed the movie. <laughs> That's funny. Louie was in Ferris Bueller's yes. Day Off, Coming to America. The, both of them. Yeah. Uh, he was in the uh, Wrong Guys. He had a a guest starring role in the first episode of the Muppet television segment of the Jim Henson Hour. Uh, of course, he was in Life with Louie, which was uh, kind of uh, a spin on his life. Um, and then he most recently was in uh, the baskets on FX in 2016 with uh, Zach Galifianakis playing his twin sons, and he played he played the mom in that show, which won him an Emmy. <laughs> you know, it's weird going back in uh, 1996. He had a show, The Louis Show, is on CBS. Right. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Based out of Duluth, it only ran about it only ran about six episodes. Yeah, as I was say, it didn't last very long, and then he. Got on uh, Family Feud in 1999. That was crazy. The first show that Louis Anderson was on, Richard Dawson actually appeared on. Yeah. So, which, <laughs> I guess he took time out of, you know, Richard Dawson took time after uh, The Running Man. You could go back oh, on that show. show. <laughs> it was crazy. Yeah, it was, uh, it was sad to hear the news yesterday. Um, I actually forgot how, uh, you know, that he had cancer and how sick he was getting. Now, he did a lot of appearances, too locally on one of the local radio stations here that you and I know KQ 92. He was good friends with the host of that show, Tom Bernard. Uh, and 
I didn't hear it yesterday, but uh, my buddy who I who I sent the the screenshot to from Polly Shore sent me a text right away and said, "If you can listen to KQ, turn it on." Tom Bernard's having a horrible time right now. So just because uh, how close they were, uh, and it seemed like everybody that Louis Anderson knew, if you got to know them, they you became really good friends with them. So it was kind of cool to see how many people who who I knew actually I knew a couple people that that knew him one not as close as the other but the other one was like you know ended up being friends with him and they would talk to each other quite often so it's kind of kind of crazy to think about yeah he was he was always the same he didn't put on an act or you know a facade or whatever right just just a good minnesota dude i mean he was just a stereotypical someone you would think from minnesota minnesota nice right yeah exactly the one thing i want to know because i i don't know this personally but you know he he had kind of like that that whiny voice that you always saw him play characters kind of whined um and i i wonder if that was real or if that's just something he he decided to do when he was playing characters so because it seems like it was just something he did when he was playing characters as opposed to like when he was on stage doing stand-up or talking well i'm betting it's real because a lot of times people you base everything on real life Sure. Came from a huge family, like 11 kids. So Yeah, 11 kids, almost 16. Did you see that? <laughs> he was on uh, Mark Marin's uh, podcast, um, and apparently five kids died at birth uh, from his mom. One, one child and then two sets of twins. So could have been a, a big, a bigger family he came from. Yeah, it's a sad, it's a sad deal. And it seems like, I don't know, you know, they always say people come in threes and pass in threes. We've been dealing with a lot. That uh, <laughs> that that's not holding up because there's been quite a few. Um, and unfortunately, Betty White kicked things off the the day before the New Year started. So, which uh, was sad. That one that one was a shock. Everyone was getting excited for her hundredth birthday, and she was even going to be on the cover of People magazine talking about her hundredth birthday. And she passed away 17 days before. Yeah, that. I remember George Burns always talking about his 100th birthday party, too. That never happened. Yeah. She had another, uh, her character was from Minnesota on Golden Girls, so. Yeah, which a lot of those lines were improv, <laughs> <laughs> which is awesome if you can watch any of the outtakes. It's kind, yeah, it's kind of weird how Minnesota has such a connection to Hollywood. <laughs> what, what's with that, anyway? It's just a powerfully talented town, dude, man. St. Paul. I mean, think. St. Paul. Think of all the talent that yeah. came out of St. Paul. <laughs> uh yeah athletes what well athletes wise we're, i'm we're thinking podcasters <laughs> i am thinking podcasters oh podcast yes. yeah exactly i mean they just yes. non-stop at least two of them yeah, right now exactly I can <laughs> you talk about the west side and east side and don't forget <laughs> mac grove and highland park and <laughs> <laughs> it's nuts <laughs> where's your uh your friend from joe uh the joe. is he from west side um Oh yeah, yep. Joe's from the West Side. Yeah, yep. we are, uh, as they say, the kids. We represent St. Paul. <laughs> that is true. We we get along when we need to, and we hate each other when we have to. <laughs> yeah, some of us eat cake, right? <laughs> yeah. I'm telling you. <laughs> then, then, unfortunately, the passing of Meatloaf. Yeah, that's fucked yeah. up too. Wasn't expecting that, but he. Uh, I it sounds like he died of uh, COVID. Correct. He had COVID, and and that's what took him out. But of course, he was uh, dealing with back problems the last couple of years. Actually, ended one of his concerts. I remember when he fell uh, off the stage. Tours. 
Yeah, and at the time they said he was dehydrated, but it sounds like that was it had to do with his back. He was just in so much pain. He like sounds like he may have passed out or something. Yeah, you know, there's the rock and roller is I mean, that's a tough life. Prince, a lot of they all have injuries because they, they have to put on such a show, you know. Right. They yeah. don't just sit in a chair. You it know? just right. And hearing about his back problems just made me made me kinda hurt too because I I suffer from sciatica, but I've never had to like go on stage and try to put on a two hour concert and try to hit some. Well, that's the thing. I mean, yeah, <laughs> they, the show must go on. Right. Yeah. Just, that just sounds awful. What is your favorite tune from meatloaf? So my favorite tune is paradise by the dashboard light. And I'll tell you why it's, it's an old wedding DJ thing where you, near the end of the night, you put that song on and then go take a break. <laughs> while that song is playing. My friend, I can relate so I, back in the eighties when I was yes. DJing. That was the, yeah, the so it, break song. Yeah, you, you, it kept the, the dance floor full. And for some reason, I never got sick of hearing that one. Maybe because it was about a guy who just was trying to get laid and would do anything. <laughs> do and say anything to the lady to, to help that along. I mean, so. it was cool, the different parts of it. That's what I like, too. You know, the play-by-play yeah, play play uh, and, the, you know, there's it was literally an epic song. You know, seven right, some yeah, minutes the, long. The stop right yeah. there. Yeah, that's uh, that's pretty good. I, I you can still hear that part anytime somebody says "stop right there." You know that I always think about that part of the song, no matter what what it's about <laughs> that they're telling me to stop for. Yeah, two out of three ain't bad is 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 a good song. I do anything for love. Won him uh, a Grammy, I believe. Uh, but he he was bigger in the United Kingdom and in Europe than he was here in, in the United States, even though he oh, sold that album "Bad Out of Hell" over over a hundred million copies of uh of all of his albums i think bad out of hell sold 40 million I mean, copies or something like iconic. that i mean just that yeah. album cover yeah it just uh you know it's he was big into like to the into like the rock opera oh, stuff yeah. you know he's in rocky rocky horror picture show and um he was in fight club yes uh, and then he was also in uh spice world he had a Get little appearance in Spice World, uh, Wayne's World. He was a bouncer at one of the clubs that they were trying to get into, uh, where he sees Cassandra for the first time. So it's just he also had one of those those crazy careers. Now he was born Marvin Lee a day, changed his name to Michael, which yes. I agree with. You should always change Michael. your name to Michael. Uh, but his uh, his mom was in a quartet, a gospel quartet. Uh, his dad was a former police officer who went into business selling homemade cough syrups. <laughs> so it's just, uh, yeah, of all the things that you would find out people went into it, selling homemade cough syrup is not one of them that I would think of. Yeah, he uh, reminded me of the, the bad cop from Fletch. you remember him? Uh, barely, but now that you're yes. mentioning it yeah, it, yeah, it's coming back. Also Sam Kinison. Totally. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sam Kennison, he's another one uh, that died early. Um, but Meatloaf got his nickname from his football coach in high school, uh, called him Meatloaf. He also, in 1968, his first gig, let's see, see if this would be a cool first gig. He opened up for Van Morrison's band, Them, uh, and Question Mark and the Mysterians. Uh, and then while performing their cover of Holland, the Holland Wolf song, Smokestack Lightning, the smoke machine 
that they were using caused too much smoke and they had to clear out the club. (laughs) (laughs) Smoke gets in your eyes. Uh, Yeah. yeah. And they also opened up for uh, Janis Joplin at one point. Whoa, those two are made for each other. Right, I know. Uh, and uh, here's some of the other bands. See if you've heard of any of these. Have you heard of the Fugs? Fug, yeah. Uh, how about MC5? <laughs> MC5. They also opened up for The Grateful Dead and The Who. The what? So, Powerful. Right, exactly. Yeah, so he had a good good run very early no, on. He was, he was literally larger and figuratively larger than life. You know what I mean? He was a character. He had a great voice. I mean, he, he looked cool on film. He was a great guy. Yeah. He had one of those voices. Like you knew it was a meatloaf song just based on the first couple of, of words coming out of his mouth. Yeah. So uh quintessential seventies, sixties, you know, you talk about the hair and just literally belting out tunes. He had one of those great heads of hair. That uh, you could definitely be jealous of, especially some of us. That yeah, why can't you hair. have hair like that? I wish I could have hair like that, I'm telling you. Speaking of hair, uh, Cher did a duet with him, or they did a song together. And I saw that. Yeah, I didn't I know can that. Can you imagine all that hair flipping? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know what was happening. They were hitting each other in the face. <laughs> God, now you got me all weepy uh, about Sonny Bono. Oh. <laughs> well, you know, I yeah, do what I can. That's the dad of Bono from YouTube, if you guys didn't know that. Yeah, a little known fact for all you millennials out there. Yeah, he <laughs> he was cool. I love Sonny Bono. He was Italian too, so I gotta love that. Oh, okay. Speaking of uh, comedians gone too soon and and Minnesota angles, remember Mitch Hedberg? Yes, he was another one. That fuck. Too bad he's not around. Can you imagine him on Twitter? He Twitter was made for yeah, him. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Because he would, I, I guarantee you that he would be one of the most followed accounts. Yes. If he was on one of my on favorite Twitter jokes right is uh, rice is cool if you like to eat one thousand or something. <laughs> <laughs> so I was reminded uh, uh, by another friend of mine a while ago, uh, or not too long ago, about his phone number bit. Do you do you know the phone Tell number us. bit? But he said he wants his phone number to be two 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 two. That way he can tell people, just keep hitting twos and you'll get me eventually. <laughs> <laughs> uh, which uh, kind of begs the question, why isn't February 22nd of 2022, we should make that Mitch Hedberg day. There you go. So it's two, 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 make two, two. So. We'll, we'll do that. Hashtag yes. it, everyone. Hashtag Mitch Hedberg and, day. Uh, February 22nd of 2022. Yes. Speaking of Twitter, if you want to follow us, powerful tweets at Amazing Pop Pod. Follow us there. Also, we're on Instagram, Amazing Pop Culture Podcast. We have a powerful Facebook page. I'm going to need you to like that. And wherever you listen to podcasts, do us a favor and leave us a review. Click that five stars, write a little something, something. If you do, it will unlock HD audio. HD? HD that's how the British pronounce it. Oh my goodness! Yeah, they also say "ba'awa." They say a lot of stuff. For bottle we of love water. the British. I'm telling you. Every time I look yeah. at our stats, we get more and more Brits listening. God save the Queen. We love the UK. The well said, <laughs> mate. No, that's Australia. We love the Australians too. We love everyone. Whoever listens, thanks for yeah. listening. Yeah, the Australians really love us, which is amazing. It is. So we'd like to thank everyone from Australia. Yes. 
whether we're interrupting your haggis or not. Oh, no, no, that's Thank Scottish. You. Oh, yes, keep oh, up. God. Keep up. That's called ironic. <laughs> now, let's get back to music. Well, it, it's the. Sure, let's do some more now, music. Now, I pulled a powerful song. I went way back. You did? Okay, the first powerful debut single by the American powerful rock group, Blue Oyster Cult, which is based on the Blue Oyster from Police Academy, right? Oh, yes. obviously. Yeah. Yep. Iconic music from the yes. Blue Oyster. Blue Oyster Cult. And the powerful song I picked was Cities on Flame with Rock and Roll. Tell us your thoughts. Mike or DJ Rez on that powerful song. Sure. Well, let me tell you a little bit about it. Like you said, it's off of the, uh, it was their first single released. It was on their debut album called Blue Oyster Cult, because that's what you do when you release your first album. You name it after yourself. Um, it didn't chart, uh, but it has become one of their most famous, popular songs. They play it in concerts every time they play it. And it is also featured on their greatest hits album. It kind of reminds me of the Edgar Winter group song, Frankenstein. That same kind of crunchy guitar. Yes. Oh, um, talk about another which, great song. Right? I'm telling you, it's, it's awesome. And the lead vocals on this track is by their drummer. Yes. Because everybody knows that the drummers are the ones with the more powerful yes. voices that should be heard a lot yes. more. And it's a song that describes the devastation of a nuclear war, but they do the metaphors towards rock and roll music. Cause everybody knows that rock and roll music is the devil. So they, uh, they went along with that. It's actually a really good song. I would put it up there. It's so in, in my, if I had to rank my top three blue oyster cult songs, it would be don't fear the reaper. Um, and then cities on flame with rock and roll. And then I'm burning for you. That would be my top three. Powerful. Let me ask you this. Have you heard Godzilla? I have heard Godzilla. Yeah. Um, that's like the, the third song they play on the radio yes. from them. Uh, but it's, that would, that would be my number four yeah. song. Yeah. Cities on flame. Powerful song. I mean, just, yeah. Just, where did, uh, where did that the, one come from? You, you kind of had to dig deep. You know where that it came, one. came from? So <laughs> no. I have my playlist, right? So I'm right. listening to uh, Spotify. By the way, we are available on Spotify. Our nice. podcast is available everywhere fine podcasts are found. Basically, just type in Amazing Pop Culture Podcast. It will show up. And we're getting a huge amount of downloads from uh, people using their uh, digital assistants. Yeah. Oh, very nice. Siri, Alexa. What are the other ones? Cortana. Cortana. So I think uh, Alexa has a thing yes. for you. That's what I hear. That's true. So I'm jamming to Rush. Of course. Sure. <laughs> of course you are. And you know, in the algorithms on the, they, they pick songs that you might dig and they were dead on. City is on flame came on. I'm like, yeah, I'm going <laughs> way back to 72 with powerful song. I mean, just the way the, the guitar and the drums, it's just that groove. I mean, it, sure, it yeah. just, it just meshes, dude. I mean, that, that yeah, is it, a funky groove. It's the guitar that does it for me. I like that crunchy seventies guitar. So you can't, you can't duplicate that yeah, sound. Yeah, I, I, it just you know it's the the vocals. I love the way that guy sings. It reminds me of Max Webster, Battle Scar, another powerful Canadian uh, team up with Rush. Of course, I love Rush. <laughs> but yeah, that's where I got it from. Yeah, it was just it just popped up, and I'm like, oh yeah, it's cool how it's cool yeah. how they they'll pull up old songs that you haven't heard forever, 
Has, has that yeah, happened it, to you lately? It's one thing about that that Spotify algorithm. Not lately. It's been a little while since they pulled something out of the hat. I do, you know, they do like that daily, what do they call it? Daily favorites or something, the ones that they're supposed to pick for you. But I listen to, I, my, my music tastes are so all over the place. There's half the time I, I skip those songs. I'm like, why would they think I would you like know, this song? <laughs> to tell you the truth, a lot of times it's you skip, skip. But sometimes they, they hit a home run. Yeah, sometimes they do. I, I don't know. For me personally, more times than not, they don't, which is why I have like a thousand different playlists on my account on Spotify. So, but And, I, and I've got a couple that I just keep adding to. So one of them's got like 400 songs on it. Wow. So. Epic yeah. list. So once again, yeah, once again kids, Cities on Flame with Rock and Roll, Blue Oyster Cult. For those of you gamers out there, if you have Guitar Hero 3, Legends of Rock, it's on that. Yes. Also, it was on the 70s show. Now, let's fast forward. We uh, checked out a movie together. Together, well, but yeah, separately. Separate together, whatever. <laughs> We're all in this world together, man. We weren't holding hands, but we saw the same film. How's that? <laughs> all right. That sounds yeah. better. <laughs> we checked out Don't Look Up 2021. You can't get newer than that. No. Wow. No, you can't. Not now. Everything released now was filmed in 2020. Now, would you consider that a comedy, a science fiction film? I would. I well, it, it would. It would have to be hybrid. But if I had to put it in one category, I would have called it a comedy. So, how about what? What do you think? Would you have called it anything but a comedy? Because I know what Netflix put it in as. But what did they say? They say it's science fiction. Yeah. So it is uh, Wikipedia. Which, yeah, and I don't think it is. I think it's a comedy, even though it, there's it's about scientists. Yes. It doesn't automatically make it sci-fi, in my opinion. So right away you think Mars Attacks because of the ensemble cast. Leonardo Correct. DiCaprio, Jennifer Lawrence, Rob Morgan, Jonah Hill, Tyler Perry, <laughs> Ron Perlman, Ariana Grande, Kate Blanchett. It just goes on yeah. to Meryl Streep, of course, yeah. And then your and your favorite, yeah. the dude and from Dune. Say Mohadim. He's in there as well. He is as much as they like wanted it to make him be one of like the three stars in the movie. He's not in it very yeah, much. Yeah, I thought the same thing. So, which was kind of odd to me, but I was reading a. Uh, well, let's let's tell people what it's about, and then I'll tell you what about the the interview yes. I saw with Jennifer. It Moore. is the story uh, of two astronomers attempting to warm humanity, but a big old comet that's gonna. What do they call those again? The uh, planet. Uh, Extinction yeah, exactly. level event, yeah, yeah planet exactly. killer. Extinction level. <laughs> so yeah, Jennifer Lawrence's character finds this comet. They they quickly run some some numbers on it, and Leonardo DiCaprio realizes that uh, this isn't going to pass by Earth. It's actually going to hit Earth, uh, and uh, it from there it kind of talks about the roles of technology, politics, and the media in this world <laughs> yeah not, not so and, subtly yeah 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 it very very nonchalantly tells everybody that everybody sucks and that everything is manipulated yeah um and how easily manipulated all of us are really if you think about it my favorite character is ariana grande really? in this movie Why is yeah that? maybe because she doesn't have a big part but she's probably the most like relatable <laughs> she's the a singer she plays a singer who breaks up with her boyfriend because he cheats on her with some other famous person 
Um, and then they get back together and then she's singing some tribute concert to help raise money for this, uh, or something, you know, help raise, help raise awareness of this comet. And she just seems to be like the one, I think maybe because that's like the, if this were real, she would be the celebrity. Everybody would be hanging on 24 <laughs> seven. So, so, and she's part of the reason why everybody doesn't believe this comet's coming, which is just, it's kind of kind of funny but i don't know why she's my favorite character in this maybe just because she's not in it very much what you- <laughs> and she's like the last the least chaotic character in this in this movie what do you think of the premise it's kind of armageddon meets uh if well i guess if armageddon was a comedy about how sad we are as a society <laughs> but i think the premise was fine i i don't know it, the movie kind of bothered me a little bit but i i think it's creative in the way that it's going to hit earth and kill everybody and they're trying to tell everyone and nobody wants to listen. So, uh, which is a good different take on comet and asteroid movies where everybody knows it's going to destroy them and it becomes more of a drama. Yeah, I mean, it's basically the comet's supposed to be climate change, you know, and just basically everyone right. doesn't give a shit. <laughs> yeah. And it, yeah, first nobody wants to hear about it. Then they believe it. And then they, they don't want to, then they don't believe it. Um, and then, then it's too late. So I thought, I thought all the characters were too literal and too cartoony and they should have a little more subtle, you know, I, I get all the different, you know, the different way they had everyone, you know, I mean, <laughs> Jonah Hill. <laughs> but, yeah. What do you think of him well, as an That's actor? funny. You know, I go back and forth cause I was watching this. And I'm like, Oh, it's Jonah Hill. It's Jonah Hill. It's like, right. it's Tom Cruise. It's yeah. He, he, he's his own character now. Yeah. Jonah Hill plays. To me, he plays the same character in every movie, and but I don't really like Jonah Hill anyway. I I don't know what it is about him. He, he just bugs the hell out of me, no matter what character he's in or whatever movie. I think maybe because he plays the asshole really good, and that's all of his characters usually. Yes. But he, he, bug, he How bugs this? me. How about Jonah Hill and Steve uh, Stifler? Oh, Stifler? Yeah, he can't. Yeah, he bugs me too, but he's from Cottage Grove, <laughs> so screw no, him. No, I, I like, the, I mean, <laughs> how about a movie with those two in it? Oh, I I wouldn't yeah, watch. I it. love Stifler. I think he's way better than than Jonah Hill. But but yeah, Jonah he, Hill that he plays that character good though. Yeah, he play. Yeah, it's the yeah. dick. You know, if you need a dick in yes. your movie, that's him. So how about uh, Leonardo DiCaprio? How'd you feel he did? Uh he was over the top in this one. Like too, like you said, like the cartoony part. He was too cartoony over the top. I I like Leo in a lot of the stuff he does, but this one was just. I don't know. It was hard to believe that he would be like the nerdy scientist who is kind of doesn't really know how to act in front of people, you know, or how to react or that his anxieties get yeah. to him or whatever it is. Yeah. I mean, that just, yeah. that just doesn't seem like him, like a character he would play. So it just, I yeah. couldn't get I, into see, it. See, I liked him in it. I liked it. It was different, you know, playing a different character. Jennifer sure. Lawrence, not so much. I mean, I don't, she was forgettable in the movie. Yeah, and it's true. You could put anybody else in that role, and it would still be the same movie. Now, the I saw an interview with her when the, they were doing press promo for this movie, and I hadn't seen the, the movie. I would, you know, it was one of those movies where I was like, well, if I watch it, I watch it. And then I heard this interview she did, and she was talking about how. So one of the first scenes that they filmed for this movie was. Um, when they were in the car, the three of them were in the car, Leo, her and Timothy Shamalamala. 
Uh, and uh, I guess before they started filming that scene, uh, they were playing that song that was in the scene and Leonardo was doing his, you know, practicing his bit about listen to this part, listen to this, listen to that. And then Chamelay was just being annoying, I guess, because they hadn't started actually filming. And Jennifer Lawrence was pregnant at the time and she every, everything was just bugging her. She's like, that's the first day we all met and it's the first scene we filmed and I hated them both through, through the rest of the filming because of that what it, what it because of what happened in the car and then it turned out that it didn't seem like anybody on set liked each other at all that they were just all against each other or just annoyed with each other and didn't want to be there they were just making this movie to make this movie and so from that i was like well why do i want to see this movie <laughs> you know because they all mailed it in so there was a a scene a scene at the end you know when they all come out of the the cryogenic chamber so that, you, uh, I Leonardo, wanted to make sure you watched, watched all want. the credits, right? You did. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So when you know the scene when they come out of those chambers, you know, and they're all naked, and you see Streep's ass, and I guess Leonardo was really trying to take that scene out of the movie. He was trying to talk them out of taking that scene out of the movie because he didn't like seeing Meryl Streep's ass. So I was like, Jesus Christ! Did they all get along? Did, did they all hate each other? What the fuck? <laughs> So, so that, that made me not really too excited to see the movie, but it was, it was, yeah, a- it, it seemed like it didn't go together well. And it's, and it's a shame because I love, uh, you know, ensemble movies and we have that much, when you have that right. much firepower too. Yeah. It's some really good yeah. names in it. I mean, yeah. really good actors. I just think, it. you know, they went too much. Oh, social media, social media. I get it. You know, <laughs> you don't have to, you, you're like doing it. Like it's, you're explaining it to some, the, the guy who played the, the tech, CEO of Bash Enterprise or whatever. <laughs> I guess that would probably be like my second favorite character because you know he's just like the sad old yeah. white dude <laughs> who runs a yeah, corporation. I a couple times. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. See, so, so going back, to like I was saying, the premise, like get rid of the premise because it's just a stupid. Just as, I know it's a stupid reason to have a movie, but the whole science fiction, you know, I would have rather had it like right. some New York comedy or something. You know, get get rid of the whole sure. science fiction thing, because that's just been done to yeah. death. You know what I mean? I mean, <laughs> I get it; it's supposed to be satire of everything, but just have it go more comedy. Because you're right that that guy was good. I liked uh, Jonah Hill's character. I liked Leonardo DiCaprio. What about Ron Perlman? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, talk about an out there character, but Ron Perlman can pull yeah. that off. You know, he just. You know. <laughs> His character, that character was yeah. funny to me. <laughs> it's like you're, you're that drunk uncle at everyone's family reunion. That was yeah. it. <laughs> so I, I like that part of it. Yeah. I mean, I could see it as like a 60s movie, you know, you know, maybe then it'd be obviously the Cold War, you know, instead right. of climate change. But, you know, I chuckled a couple times. Yeah. I mean, there were, there were some good parts. But the other thing that bugged me, the editing was all over the place. They they didn't tell you the time frame like they told you when they discover the comment how long it's going to be. Yeah. But then after that, they never like throw up like three months until comment no. or two months. So you have no idea where they're at in the timeline. And then it was like they didn't really explain. So they had brought up like midterm elections, but then it looked like Meryl Streep was running for re-election. And then what campaign office were they working in? You know, it just they didn't do a lot of explaining that kind of stuff. Uh, which really kind of irritated me because I guess I'm so used to 
movies telling you where you're at, you know, in the timeline of the movie. Because if they're not going to tell you, then why even bother telling you what the timeline is? To no, with? you're right. It's it's probably one of those that had a bunch of, like you said, no one got along and they chopped it up and put it put it together and chopped it up again, you know. And I'm looking here. They said there's scenes that were cut out, you know. Matthew Perry was supposed to be in it. And, oh, yeah, really? so, yeah. what? I feel yeah. robbed. <laughs> you know, and they, of course, it was during COVID, so, you know, everything was delayed. So, so you know, right. that it's almost, you know, they, there's so much money involved. You can't just say fuck it, but it's one of those things that, right. And it's, you know, you, you can tell that, you know, it was chopped up and this should have worked. That didn't work kind of stuff. Yeah. And it was, it's Netflix. So Netflix just throws money at everything. Uh, but it was a Paramount movie. They sold it to Netflix. Uh, they put it in the theaters for just a small run just to get it into the to the award season because that's what we have to do now. Is you're, you, you're not up for Oscars or Golden Globes unless you're in the movie theater. So they put it out for a small run. Um, it was named one of the top 10 movies of 2021 by the National Board of Review and the American Film Institute. It received four nominations uh, for the Golden Globes including Best Picture for Musical or Comedy. And they got nominated for six awards at the Critics' Choice Awards, including Best Picture. I do not think it should be up for Best Picture in, in any, at any no, award show, honestly. I mean, what are you going to do? Yeah. It just made me think that Leonardo needs to do some comedies. What do you think? Yeah, he's good at comedy. I mean, like kind of like the... I don't know. Would uh, Wolf of Wall Street's not really a comedy, but he did he did that role pretty good, and that had a lot of well, comedy. See, I guess I guess that's what I was getting at. It. You know, he does all these gritty crime and and you know over the top this and that. I I think it'd be kind of cool to do some comedies. Yeah, because he's he's good well, at he's a great actor. Movies that have yeah that have comedy elements yeah. to it, and he pulls it off good. So I don't see why he couldn't pull off an entire comedy. Yeah, I don't know who what director would work well with him, but besides Scorsese, yeah, I mean, but Scorsese made comedies too, you know. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Maybe throw him with uh, John Favreau, the guy who does all the MCU movies now. He, he's done a couple of or the Apatows. I don't know or Apatow, Russo. Yeah. I don't know. Just interesting though. I'd like to see him in some other roles. I I liked that he wasn't the cool, you know, Leonardo. That he was nerdy and. You know, he's stressed out all the time. Yeah, but he still slept with the hot chick in the movie. Yeah, but come on, he's Leonardo. <laughs> he's still true, Italian. True. How <laughs> oh, is that what he oh, is? Oh, yeah, a little bit. Oh, okay. A little bit. Yeah, it was, it was a fun movie. Let's, uh, let's give it a score. Go ahead, you first. Um, all right, I'm going to give it a... We're going we're gonna to do this off of uh, Bash mobile devices. I will give it uh, a two and a half Bash mobile devices. Two and a half. I will go, yep. I'm going to be a little nicer to it. Three and a half. Three and a half Bash Mobile yeah. Device. Okay. If you've seen the movie, yeah. you know what it is. You know what Bash Mobile Device is. I can't <laughs> recommend the movie, but if you got time and we all do, and you're sitting in your <laughs> right. chair, you're, are you a couch guy or an easy uh, lazy boy? Or what do you, what's your go-to uh, sitting device? Uh, so in our living room, we have two couches, one full-size couch and one love seat. Um, if I had a lazy boy, I'd be in the lazy boy all the time, but, uh, I'm usually the, the love seat guy. Uh, I like having elbow room. <laughs> so not that I don't like sitting with Mrs. Assistant manager, Mike Rez, but I, I need some space sometimes where I need space to stretch out. And if I want to lie down a little bit, then I'm going to lie Do you down. you allow the pets 
to watch with you. Absolutely. Yep. So we have a, a dog um, and she likes to cuddle up and snuggle. She's at that age where she's just old and she just needs to, needs to know that you're there because she can't hardly see <laughs> so she jumps up and she gets really really close and sometimes it's annoying but most of the time it's kind of cute so what about you 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 have a lazy have boy a though don't you electric recliner oh my Silent, god and it's actually designed to sleep on it's like beefed it's like beefed oh, up like the, the powerful uh, endoskeleton if you will it's good to be the host of the amazing pop culture podcast the most powerful you. podcast ever created Yes, it's it's wonderful. You know what we should do? We should we should try to get a uh, a reclining company to sponsor the show. <laughs> All I need is one of the recliners. Yes. That's it. That's a great idea. So, I got to see what brand this is. Yep. It's powerful, though. One time, though, the power went out. I didn't know what to oh, do. Oh, no. I had to sit there the whole day <laughs> until the power came back up. I can't move. You were stuck in the yes. recline position. You're like, oh, well, I might as well just sleep. <laughs> manual. Abort. Abort. <laughs> there's no manual override. <laughs> there's no emergency. No, there's no, there's no e-stop. No, no generator. <laughs> no e-stop. Check no your e-stops. E-stop. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you fill out, fill out your checklist yes, before you sit yeah, down. Yeah, you got to do sure your walk around. Right? Is anything worn or torn? <laughs> Is there any liquids or... Yeah, any, anything yeah, draining yes. from the bottom, any hydraulic fluid. <laughs> this ain't going to pass, Oscar. Uh, <laughs> Powerful. Well, I hope you guys had a great oh time tonight. God. I know we did. Powerful episode where we talked about the movie Don't Look Up. Powerful rock and roll, Cities on Flame by the Blue Oyster Cult. And we uh, reminisced, thought a little bit, reflected on the lives of Louie Anderson and Meatloaf. We just ask you one thing, guys. I hope you had a good time tonight. And if you did, please do us a favor. Please tell a friend about our podcast. And until next time, you just enjoyed the amazing pop culture podcast.